0: This podcast is a 98 Studios production. Hey, it's Christy. Welcome back to Do the Work. Today and every day, we will talk about things that really matter. You, your thoughts, your feelings, and your experiences. Relationships are what matter most, and they can be complicated. If you'd like a better connection with yourself, with others, and with God, you are in the right place. So glad you're here. Welcome back to Do the Work. I'm so happy you're here and so grateful for every time that you listen and you share and you let us know by doing a rating on the platform that you listen on or on your by sharing on social media or just a private share of, Hey, I was thinking about you when I listened to this podcast. I'm so grateful for every one of those shares. We want to get this podcast out to as many people as we possibly can. And the best way to do that is by sharing and reviews, so thank you. Several years ago, I took a public speaking class at a local university, and one of the books that we had to read for that class was How to Win Friends and Influence People. I like the book, and so did so many other people. Right on the cover, it says it's a timeless bestseller. This book was first published in 1937, and people are still talking about it. On the front sleeve of the Declaration, is the declaration that this book is one of the best-known motivational books in history. Dale Carnegie's groundbreaking work has sold millions of copies, has been translated into almost every known written language, and has helped countless people succeed in both their business and personal life. Still reading from the front sleeves, Carnegie's advice is timeless. How can you make people like you instantly? How can you persuade people to agree with you? How Can You Speak Frankly to People Without Giving Offense? This book helps you learn how to make people like you and want to help you. How to win people to your way of thinking without conflict. End quote. How do you win friends and influence people? I understand that these are all still questions that people ask and teach about. However, I'd like to suggest a different option because I believe those questions of how do I persuade people to agree with me or how do I make people like me are actually a direct line right into a life of needing and wanting other people's approval so that we feel better about ourselves. It is a way of learning how to measure our worth and value based on what other people think. But winning friends and influencing people isn't actually about the other person at all. It's all about you. And that's not friendship. What if instead of winning friends and influencing people, we choose to be a friend and connect with people? A friend cares about what you care about. A friend laughs with you, not at you. A friend gives without taking and will receive when given to. A friend doesn't just agree with you to persuade you to like them. A friend is honest with their opinion and open to hearing if you have a different opinion. A difference of opinion in friendship can strengthen a bond, not weaken it. It does not have to weaken it. A friend celebrates with you when you're happy and cries with you when you're sad. A friend says, I'm sorry. A friend forgives. True friendship is one of the greatest gifts that this world has to offer. And true friendship is not about manipulating another person so that they will like you. I agree wholeheartedly with Mr. Carnegie that our ability to communicate effectively is critical. But today, I want to talk about our motive in why and how we communicate and why it matters. As human beings, we have to understand that love and belonging are basic human needs. In the absence of love and belonging, there's always suffering, Brené Brown says. I've said it many times on this podcast. We need to know that someone knows us and loves us. It is a basic need. Loving someone because we want to give love instead of loving someone because we want to win their love or friendship are two different things and sometimes can be complicated to understand, especially if we have gotten good at winning friends and influencing people. Often when I share principles around being a friend and connecting with people, I'll hear phrases such as, I'm just a people pleaser, or I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings, or I just want everyone to have a good time, or I don't want him or her to get mad. So I can't say that or do that. All of this makes sense to me, but maybe not for the reason you're thinking. When we teach the principles to win friends and influence people, we teach inadvertently that instead of belonging here, you need to learn how to fit in. You need to learn how to get people to like you or love you. Instead of the absolute truth that you are lovable and worthy of love, that cannot change. Your lovability is not flexible. You come with that. So how do we learn this so young? What actually happens in our life that would cause us to believe that we have to earn our love or that somehow if we show up in certain ways, then our our lovability increases or decreases? It starts when we're young, when we have parents who are emotionally muted or distracted or parents who are very emotionally charged and they, they don't know how to be responsible for their feelings. So there's a lot of you made me feel, you make me so, this, lots of that, or parents who don't know how or are not willing to feel their own feelings. They will have little space for yours. This does not in any way mean that they're not great parents. It means that they have pain inside of them that they've not processed, and their cup or their life of emotions is full to overflowing, so there isn't really room for yours. It might sound like this, jump up, you're fine. Oh, brother, that's not even a big deal. Get over it. What's wrong with you? You need to grow up. Why can't you figure this out? You are old enough to know this. Quit being a baby. I can't even handle you right now. Or it might be the flip side, which is, you're amazing, you never do anything wrong. Or, you know, you're struggling in a class, it must be the teacher. Or you have a conflict with your friend, that friend's an idiot, stop being friends with them. It can show up either way, but both of those show ups are simply the same thing. They're just adult individuals who don't know how to work through their own emotions and pain and fear to be able to just sit with someone so that they can explore their emotions and and find their grounding and and get to a space where they can feel safe inside of themselves as children we have no idea that these statements that i mentioned earlier of shame are actually about our parents and not about us we don't know how to say oh wow Mom or Dad, they're, they're not working through their emotions well right now. Or, they must have a lot of pain to have spoken to me that way. Or, I wonder what's going on in their life that makes them so distracted and unavailable for me in my life. We don't know how to say that. Instead, we think that, it's in, that it is us that actually made them mad or irritated them or we made them go silent or get angry. That is not true. Children do not have the ability to make a parent angry. We are all responsible for our emotions. Now, a child can affect a parent greatly, but to put on our children that they are responsible for our emotions causes them to believe that they need to show up in ways that will make other people happy or not mad or where they might be able to get attention. So as children or teenagers, we learn to show up in a certain way that our parents will be able to tolerate us. Or we can get what we want. As you know, if you are a regular listener, I come from a family of seven children. And I was not good at winning friends and influencing people as a, as a child. I spoke pretty honestly to situations when I was upset or mad. And I remember my mom one time saying something about Douglas or Robert, who are my two brothers just above me. And I said, mom, they're just brown nosing you. That was, that was the word I used. that I'm sure that's inappropriate today, (laughs) but they're just saying, they're just saying what you want them to hear. So I've never been super good at this. In truth, I can do it in lots of other ways. But as a child, I recognize like, oh, I'm not doing it right. What we really learn when we learn how to win friends and influence people is that we believe that we can control another person's feelings. But that's the big lie. Actually, what we've just learned is how to be inauthentic in an effort to have the other person love us or for us to feel like we fit in or belong. We become adults who do not understand where our worth and lovability comes from. We think, often subconsciously, that we need to earn approval from others, that we need to earn their love, that we need to prove to them that we're lovable. It shows up as needing high positions at work or in our church or community, or needing more money when we have plenty. It shows up as wanting or needing likes or wins or applause which are all counterfeits for the feeling of belonging and fitting in. Those last for a minute, but they do not last. I work with couples on helping them learn how to communicate more effectively, and almost always when there's pain in a relationship, you'll find one or both of the partners are afraid to speak honestly about what is hurting them or how they're being affected by the other person. I'll ask them when when they learned that they couldn't express how they were feeling or what was important to them. and. They're so often surprised to recognize that they learned how to do that long before they ever met or married their spouse. We like to blame the person across from us for the choices that we make, but if we are not showing up emotionally honest in our relationships, that is not generally because of the person across from us. It is because we learned how to show up that way when we were younger. People-pleasing. Not expressing honest thoughts and feelings is an effort to please another person or to try to control their feelings. That behavior is often referred to as codependent. Codependent might look or sound like being attentive, considerate, easygoing, flexible, helpful, caring, polite. These are all good things, right? Yes, Yes, they are wonderful ways to show up in a loving, connected relationship. However, if our motive is to gain love or to try to control another person's experience instead of just to love, then when we are attentive, considerate, easygoing, flexible, etc., the feelings that come along with that are feelings of abandonment, Difficulty expressing anger or other emotions, or even feeling other emotions, fear of being disliked, fear of conflict, fear of sharing honest feelings and emotions, preoccupation with what others think of you. We can know that all of that generosity, attentive, considerate, easygoing, flexible, careful, helpful, caring, polite, if we have these feelings that go that that are in our life, and lots of times we don't connect them to oh yeah i'm available i'll never I'll never turn my phone off because I want you to know you can always reach me often come with feelings of overwhelm and disconnect, but we don't connect those two things together, but hopefully you'll learn and see how you can do that better through this podcast. I have seen a huge range of outcomes from this kind of thinking and behaving. Something more simple like I'll have someone come in who is so exhausted, just unable to do much of what they think they want to do in their day. They're, They're just exhausted from lots of things but Often it's, you know, I was working so hard to make sure everyone was happy and comfortable at the party that I threw last night. And the consequence of that is, and I now have little energy for those that matter most to me. That's a more simple outcome for choosing to be codependent or a people pleaser. I've also seen outcomes to the far other end Um, where it's more extreme, where I've seen individuals not being willing to leave extramarital affairs because they didn't want to hurt the feelings of those they were acting out with, even though they knew they wanted to leave and they knew that their choices were going to rob them of the things that mattered most to them. Their fear of what the other person thought of them had more power, more weight than the pain That they knew that they were causing to the people that they loved. And I could give hundreds of other examples of outcomes of choosing to people please and to to respond in relationships in less than um, connected ways. People pleasing sounds nice, but in truth, it's destructive to ourselves and our relationships. To put it simply, when we are people pleasing, or codependent, we find ourselves taxed by being with other people. Instead of connecting with others, we spend much of our time wondering what they think of us, judging how they're showing up or not showing up, and trying to make sure that we that we don't do anything that would offend them or cause them to think less of us in any way. One of the most common outcomes of people-pleasing is resentment. We become resentful because we will Quote, do anything for them and then when they won't do the same for us then we resent them and usually they don't even know it we're in a fight and they don't even know it or even worse if they do sense that something is off and and they ask you about it you're unwilling to share with them what's hurting because you don't want them to think less of you or really what you probably would tell yourself is i don't want to hurt their feelings can we be honest? Having resentments towards people is not kind. It's not loving. So, being willing to walk through a conflict, to share with someone how you're feeling or being affected by how they're showing up, is the only way for a deeply connected relationship. I, I read this the other day and loved it so much. The relationship that you long for, is on the other side of the conflict that you're avoiding. I loved that. When we choose not to be honest and vulnerable in our relationships, we keep ourselves from deeper connections. And then in our fear of, of the conflict or of having to, you know, someone being upset with us, we actually create the very thing we fear. We grow apart. We start to avoid. The other person. We're, we're more easily irritated when we're with them. So how do I know if I'm codependent or a people-pleaser? Most people know if they're people-pleasers. In fact, they they proudly say, I'm just a people-pleaser, not knowing that that could be translated to, I'm very controlling. How's that feeling as you're listening to this podcast? Are you uncomfortable? <laughs> That was uncomfortable for me when I heard it. I've shared this before. When someone suggested that my people pleasing was controlling and not honest, I literally, I just thought, you're crazy. Like, I, that is not me. But as I was willing to look more deeply inside of myself and, and, and look at my motives, not from a judgmental, you're bad space, but from a, you're human. And of course you have weakness. And, What if this is one of them? Are you willing to look at it kind of space? So here are some questions to ask ourselves. If we're not sure if we're a people pleaser or codependent, why did I just say yes when I meant no? Or by saying yes, do I have expectations tied to the outcome of this experience? Am I trying to control the outcome? Or do I believe my needs matter as much as anyone else's? One way that codependence shows up in such a destructive way is that we believe our needs don't matter. Literally, when someone says, where would you like to go for lunch or dinner? We don't have an opinion. And we really believe, well, I don't have an opinion. I just like everywhere. And we haven't connected that the reason I don't have an opinion is because if I did and someone didn't like it, then they might reject me. I might not fit in where I want to fit in. Do I believe I don't have many needs? Do I have a hard time asking for help? Do I think that others will think less of me if I need help? This is all just good information for us to say, wow, yeah, yep. Yep. Yes. Check. Yes. I feel these things. doesn't mean we're bad. It doesn't mean something's wrong with us. It means we learned somewhere along the line that we need to please people instead of be authentic with people. Are you someone that feels like it's selfish to say no? Do you feel like You're willing to drop anything for someone instead of to be someone who's boundaried when someone asks for help. And you might say, I really want to help you. I'm available today after work. I can help you anytime or tomorrow between this time. Does that feel scary? If so, it's just good information. You're a people pleaser. You struggle with codependence. I have the best news. You don't have to live that way forever. I have a big confession. Well, I already kind of confessed it. I'm codependent. I try to please people. So I just want you to put your seatbelts on because I have other news for you. So are you. This is a human experience. We don't have to beat ourselves up, like I said. But maybe the best question of all is, am I willing? Am I willing to look at it? Am I willing to get curious about it? So here are some examples of people pleasing the outcomes of people-pleasing, and then some possible other options. I had a very smart and handsome young young adult who's going to a, a, a very prestigious college come into my office and say that um, he wanted just some help around dating. He felt like dating was stressful for him. When I asked him what he meant by stressful, he said, I worry that it will be awkward. I seriously worry about that before I ever go on the date. Or will it be fun? And what if it's not fun? And what if I feel trapped? Or what if I do something stupid? What if I embarrass myself and she tells other people about it? Can you hear this wonderful man literally using so much of his time and energy on something that has never happened? This hasn't happened. He didn't actually go on the date yet. He was just thinking of going on a date and felt so much anxiety and fear. The outcome of this, of his wanting to control this experience, is he didn't want a date. He just was not up for it, is the way that he would say it. But in truth, what he wasn't up for was knowing that he cannot control another person's feelings or behavior or responses. What he wasn't up for was settling into his own skin and knowing that if somebody's going to love him, it better be because he is already lovable. He's worthy of love. He matters. Is he perfect? Absolutely not. But is he worthy of love and a relationship? Yes. The work to believe that is another thing he didn't want to do. So it, it just feels better to say, you know, I'm just not up for it. it to, have, to, to stop and say, what is underneath all of that? And that's a lot. Well, here are some options. Instead of giving so much time and energy to that, what if you just chose to remind yourself why you're dating? It might sound like this. I'm on this date, or I'm asking her or him out to get to know this person not to prove my worth to her. I don't need to please her. It doesn't even have to be fun. Frankly, if it's not fun, end it. Go home. (laughs) Be done. Like, you gathered the information that you needed. If you aren't interested, if there's not a connection, that's okay. She doesn't have to prove anything to you either. Remind yourself, I just am here to get to know her better. I'm here to date and relate. Not to make sure that I do everything perfectly. So remind yourself of your motive, which brings you right back to the center where all of your agency lies. As soon as you leave the present, you leave your agency. I promise you that will change your dating experiences. And frankly, when I was meeting with this client, I was married and had the best advice. I am now dating, and I feel like I need to get this tattooed on my arm, maybe on my forehead. I don't know. It makes so much sense to feel fear. And the truth is, I and you are lovable. We are worthy of love. We don't have to prove that. We don't have to please someone so that they will love us. Okay, second example. I had a woman come in, and she was ready to leave her husband for someone else, and he did not want her to leave. He wanted to be in the relationship with her. She was wanting and needing a different kind of relationship, and she had had an affair. When I got curious with her, I found out that in her need to be loved and seen as good and lovable, this woman was literally putting the toothpaste on her husband's toothbrush at night and in the morning. She was making his lunch, a grown man, every day, along with their children's lunches. She would not share with him that when he dropped his clothes on the floor, that it affected her and that she would like him to put them in the dirty clothes hamper. She didn't believe that she could share any of these things because he might get upset or think that she wasn't a good wife. The outcome? She wanted out of the marriage. Instead of speaking honestly, And responsibly and walking through some conflict, she was willing to leave her whole family to get out of the discomfort. So you can understand when someone says I'm a people pleaser and and they're in my office, when someone says it to me at the grocery store or a friend says it, I just, oh, really, tell me more. But if someone's in my office, I am very clear with them the outcome of people pleasing. There are other options honesty. Honesty might sound like this in this experience. Babe, I love you. And I've not been honest in our relationship. I don't want to put the toothpaste on your toothbrush anymore. And you know what? Actually, he might go, thank you. I've been wanting to tell you. I can get my own toothpaste. But when you're not willing to communicate, who knows what anyone really wants. It also might sound, with, sound like, I'd also love your help making lunches. Or you matter to me, and I'm so grateful for everything you do for me and for our family, and I need your help around the house. When I share those options with clients, it is so sweet to me to see their shock. Like, I can say that? Yes. Yes, you can be honest. And if you're in a relationship where you can't be honest, then get help. Go and talk about it. Go and find a way to learn how to be more honest. And remember, you don't get to blame your current spouse for your lack of honesty. You get to look back lovingly and generously to where you learned how to be dishonest in your relationships. Last example, I had a smart young woman come into my office with all kinds of anxiety and fear in her life. She wasn't functioning well in her responsibilities. She was married, but her parents were paying for her education and she wanted to go into the medical profession, but there was one problem. She wasn't going to school. In fact, her parents did not know this. They were paying for her education, but she wasn't going to school. She dropped out and they didn't know it. Much of her energy was spent on trying to hide this fact. She was horrified. She couldn't believe she'd done it, and she was terrified to tell her parents. The outcome of that was she started engaging with them less. She stopped calling or talking or being around them less. It was just too uncomfortable. When she came to me, she cried through her whole session, cried because of the outcome of being dishonest in relationships that matter most to her, but also cried because of the fear of just being honest about her choices. We talked about other options. Walk right through the front door. Be honest. Be willing to experience the consequences or outcomes of your choice. But what if they don't pay for my college? They might not. That's okay. You can figure out a way to pay for your college. Also, be willing to hear how your choice has affected the other person. First, let me say, she left my office with a commitment to speak to her parents before she came back. When she walked back into my office, she was a different person, emotionally and physically. She looked different. She walked in and told me how she chose to be honest and shared with me how her loving mother responded to her. One of the saddest outcomes of people-pleasing is that we begin to push people out of our lives because we don't know how or we are afraid to say, hey, I love caring about you and helping you or having you in my life. And I'm also in need of some of that same kind of love and care. I was with someone that I cared deeply about recently. And she'd had some painful things in her life and, and frankly wasn't feeling well. And she got snappy with me. And old me would have either snapped right back and read off a list of all the good things I'd done for, the, for her. Or I would have gone quiet And just withdrawn and told myself, okay, well, that's the end of the goodness coming from here. But I know too much today. And so I lovingly grabbed her arm and said, I love you. And I need you to speak kindly to me. She immediately looked at me and said, I'm sorry. The gift of honesty inside of a relationship. I I don't have words to describe it. Again, the relationship that you're hoping for is on the other side of the conflict that you are avoiding. If there are two people who are willing to work through conflict, who are willing to let go of people pleasing and instead become a person that loves people, then I don't believe there's anything you can't get through. We will not eradicate this in our life. I, I just really believe we'll be good and dead before we're really great at this. But I do believe that we can get very good at recognizing when we're people-pleasing or being dishonest, and we can change our motive or our behavior. Brene Brown says that we have to belong to ourselves as much as we need to belong to others. Any belonging that asks us to betray ourselves is not true belonging. From the experiences I shared earlier, can you see how in every instance the individual wanted to belong they wanted to be seen as good and not bad, which allowed them to be dishonest or overfunction in a desire to be approved of. Back to Brené. True belonging is the spiritual practice of believing in and belonging to yourself so deeply that you can share your most authentic self with the world and find sacredness in both being a part of something and standing alone in the wilderness. True belonging doesn't require you to change who you are. It requires you to be Who you are. Okay, moms and dads, young adults, children who are listening to this, are you ready for a little experience to self check? The holidays are coming up. And so many of us believe, and this can come from children to parents and every grandparents, everything in between. So many of us believe that if we're not together on the holidays or if we don't all show up for every family tradition, then something's wrong. We think I'm a bad child or I'm a bad parent or whatever it is, something's bad, or we're, or, you know, they're not grateful, or we go into all kinds of distorted thoughts and feelings. But here's a question. Ask yourself this question and then ask the people that you love and care about this question. Do you feel like we have a family where you belong? Or do you feel like you have to fit in? Brene Brown. I loved how she described this. If I get to be me, I belong. If I have to be like you, I fit in. Or belonging is being accepted for you. Fitting in is being accepted for being like everyone else. I love that. Here, Back to the questions that we can ask ourselves and those that we love. Do you feel like you can have a different opinion than me? Do you feel like you can speak honestly with me about what's important to you, even if it might hurt me to hear it? Do you feel like you have to be different around me than you are alone or with others? We will be able to see our own and our child's or our friend's or our spouse's codependence in the answers to these questions. No need to beat ourselves up or to beat them up about it. Just an invitation to learn to love ourselves more honestly. My desire in my family is for them to understand this. I feel deeply about this. Always an invitation never an expectation. You get to choose if you want to be here. If family activities aren't optional, that is always about our fear of belonging and our lovability. One more time from Brene. Because we can feel belonging only if we have the courage to share our most authentic selves with people, our sense of belonging can never be greater than our level of self-acceptance. Belonging is a practice that requires us to be vulnerable, get uncomfortable, and learn how to be present with people without sacrificing who we are. The most important thing that I will say today is that you belong. And when I say that, I feel emotion inside of me. You belong to yourself and you belong to God. When we truly believe this fact— our need to people-please or to make sure that others like us will decrease dramatically. If there was one thing that I would say this week, today, right now, I would really beg you to ask yourselves those belonging questions. Do I feel like I have to show up a certain way? Do I, have to, do I feel like I can have different opinion than the people that I love? Do I feel like I can speak honestly? Do I feel like I have to be different when I'm around certain people than others? And then I would invite you, instead of looking and pointing at them that they're making you feel that way, that you would lovingly and gently turn that mirror around and look at yourself and ask yourself, when did I learn that I couldn't be honest in my relationships? You matter. You're worthy of love. You are safe. And I'm so happy to be on your team. You will have many choices in your day and in your week. I hope you'll choose to do the work. If you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, share a written experience, or ask me a question, go to CoachChristy.life and fill out the podcast questionnaire and we'll be in touch with you soon. There are no dumb questions or experiences, just opportunities to learn and do the work. Have a great week.